I want to give credit today to our Pope Emeritus. Ten years ago or so, he produced this magnificent little book about the infancy narrative of Jesus. And uh, I've always been enchanted by this book. And Benedict had a magnificent meditation on the Holy Family's pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Passover when Jesus was 12. This is this, the event that we commemorate in today's gospel. And it's a great contrast, this account in Luke, um, from the so-called infancy gospels of the New Testament Apocrypha. You know, there were a lot of books that were flying around in the early church claiming to be authentic. And one of the most bizarre was a book called The Infancy Gospel of Thomas. And I just give you a sense of this craziness that they were dealing with, that, that the early church had to deal with. So I, I was thinking here just for a moment, um, imagine Elizabeth's son with divine power at his age now. <laughs> And all the exciting things could, could happen. <laughs> well, that's what the infancy gospel of, of Thomas did. Jesus, as a little boy, was making, um, he was making little doves of clay. And he got in trouble with the rabbi because it was the Sabbath. And the rabbi came and chewed him out for working on the Sabbath. And Jesus looked up at him and said, hmm. And he put spirit into the doves and they flew away. <laughs> and Jesus said to the rabbi, so what's your problem now? <laughs> and it kind of went on like that. If you, if you want to be entertained, um, you can find that on, on the internet. Um, it's really stupid, but it's... Uh, <laughs> this story is totally different. Pope Benedict said that we can draw three lessons from this. First of all, that Jesus was raised in a normal family. His family was devout and pious. They were very committed to the traditions of their faith. Jesus is sometimes portrayed in, when we, when we talk about Jesus, um, his human life, he's sometimes betrayed as one who emphasizes personal freedom over the law. But we see something different going on here. As the Son of God, Jesus brings a new freedom, not the freedom of somebody without any obligations, but the freedom of someone who is totally united to the Father's will, someone who helps mankind to attain the freedom of inner oneness with God. This is such a magnificent insight, especially for people that struggle with what do we do about all the rules and the traditions in our faith? Shouldn't we just push them aside and just live freely? And the church learned from Jesus here that true freedom, true freedom is being squarely and perfectly in the will of the Father. So in the Holy Family, freedom and obedience were combined in a healthy manner. In this story today, in Luke chapter two, 
It's obvious that Jesus was free to spend time with friends and family and children of his own age amongst the pilgrims that were going down from Nazareth to Jerusalem for the festival. His parents only expected Jesus to check in at day's end. Well, so what happens here? At the end of that first day, it's apparent that Jesus was not in the pilgrimage party. They were all returning to Jerusalem, returning from Jerusalem to Nazareth, and he wasn't there at the end of the day. The tradition was that um, the women would travel in one group, the men would travel in another group, and they would go on for the day, and at the end of the day, everybody would come together again. And that's when Mary and Joseph discovered that Jesus was not with them. They only found him after three days, but there is a very simple explanation. That day journeying from Jerusalem, when they were assuming that Jesus was in the party, and it was a long journey, it was a 60 mile journey from Jerusalem to Nazareth, they, they only found him that first day, or they discovered that first day that he was gone, and then they had to make a return journey to Jerusalem. And then the third day, they spent looking for him all around the city and finally found him in the temple. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking of one of my favorite movies, um, Home Alone. <laughs> you really, you know, that mother in Home Alone is very much like the Blessed Mother here. You know, she thought that Kevin was with her and suddenly they discover he was not. And they moved heaven and earth to find him. Well, Mary and Joseph were good parents to manage all of this in three days in those times. The second thing that Pope Benedict had said we should learn here is that at the age of 12, Jesus is already conscious of his true identity. When the Parents finally find Jesus in the temple, talking with the priests. The Blessed Mother says, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. And Jesus corrects her, Mother, I am with my father. I am here with my father. These are Jesus' first words that are recorded in the Gospels. And what he is saying here, of course, is that his true father is not Joseph. And the Holy Father, Pope Benedict said, could the divine sonship of Jesus be presented more clearly than it is done here? I must be in my father's house. What might seem like disobedience or inappropriate freedom vis-a-vis -vis his parents is in reality an actual expression of Jesus' filial obedience to his Father. Our lesson today ends with the words that he would grow, increase in wisdom and in stature. Even as Jesus lived perfectly in his relationship to the Heavenly Father, 
He knew who his heavenly father was. Jesus really did live the life of a human being. He was not some divine spirit that was occupying a human body. And this becomes absolutely crucial for our salvation because as the church teaches us, the unassumed is the unhealed. If Jesus failed to assume any part of human nature, that part could not be healed. And the church, our church looks back on this and draws such a wonderful lesson from it. I quote from St. Jerome, how does he who is wisdom receive understanding? Jesus advanced in wisdom and age and grace before God and men. This means not so much that the son was instructed by the father, but that his human nature was instructed by his own divinity. So there's that beautiful picture of how Christ in his humanity now is growing and being perfected because of his obedience to his heavenly father. I was always fascinated with how um, the early Christians would talk about Adam and Eve and what happened to them. And they used the model of Adam and Eve were basically in the Garden of Eden allowed to go, they were there to go to quote unquote elementary school. Their education had just begun. And then they sinned and they got expelled from school. And now what we see in the young life of Jesus is that he is completing that education that Adam and Eve and our human race never had. And so he is learning as he is increasing in stature and in understanding. He is becoming that perfect man that Adam and Eve lost. And the last point I wanted to make is that Jesus' parents in this experience discover what it will mean to follow Christ. Mary and Joseph's experience as frantic parents in those three days are a sign of the three days between the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how the early Christians understood this. These are days spent suffering the absence of Jesus, days of darkness whose heaviness can be sensed in the mother's words, child, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. And you see the lesson that is here for us too. Sometimes we feel a sense of abandonment in the way that we go through our lives. We wonder, does God really care? Is he really there for us when we're in the midst of our troubles? And this, you, when, when you find yourself in that place, come back to this story. Imagine yourself as Mary or as Joseph looking frantically for that child in those three days. It's symbolic of the time between the cross and the resurrection. When Mary pondered these things in her heart, 
Simeon, that holy man that we'll meet up with later in this chapter, Simeon's prophecy of the sword of sorrow piercing her heart becomes palpable. The closer one comes to Jesus, the more one is drawn into the mystery of his passion. So friends, when we do experience those moments in our lives, when we wonder if we're all alone, if the Lord has abandoned us, we're right in the middle, right in the middle of his passion. And this is where we're called to be. Mary appears in this story not only as a great believer, but as the image of the church, which keeps God's word in her heart and passes it along to others faithfully. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.